Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. Bonjour everyone, this is Melody with French-Canadian News. We'll start with a blog post from Franco-Americans from Maine, then and now, titled A Farm and Family, The Lives of Women in Lower Canada. How did women on the farm live in the 1800s? They faced many challenges, but did you know in some cases they could inherit the family farm if their husband died? Find out what opportunities opened for these women, including their right to vote, by reading the full story. Next up, we have a new article from Juliana LaRue titled, Jack Kerouac, Franco-American and Lowell Celebrates Kerouac. Did you know that writer Jack Kerouac was a Franco-American from Lowell, Massachusetts? The legendary writer would be turning 97 years old this March 12th. The Lowell Celebrates Kerouac Committee is planning to remember his legacy and contribution to American literature. To get the full story, check out the article. We have business news from Montreal with an article titled, SAP Labs Canada, Amazon Expanding in Quebec. From the article, SAP Canada has announced a new investment in Montreal to co-locate its existing SAP Labs office to a new space at 5 Place Ville-Marie and add 30 employees to its team. Check out the full story to learn more about these added jobs. Moving on to podcasts, I have a few new ones for you to check out. First up, check out the Canada's Calling podcast to temporarily cure your travel bug. This podcast goes over the many different travel sites throughout Canada. From Quebec's Montreal to Prince Edward Island to the Northwest Territories and beyond, get your travel fix until the days of traveling can return. Next, we have an intriguing podcast for those of you who enjoy dark and mysterious stories. Dark Poutine covers many strange stories, from UFOs to ghosts to true crime, all throughout Canada. They even have an episode where they covered a certain flying canoe in Quebec. So if you're looking for something really different and a bit darker, go ahead and check it out. And last on this list, if you'd like to learn more about the news and politics from a Canadian perspective, check out 10.3 Canada Covered. This podcast covers topics in Canada, as well as how American politics can affect Canada. Whether you're Canadian, American, or from anywhere else in the world, listen in to become the expert in Canadian politics among your friend group. And now on to events. On February 7th, from 1pm to 2pm, join the Museum of Work and Culture for another Virtual Valley Talks. This Valley Talk will be a Slatersville documentary screening. Henry Plimpton Kendall, they will all be my friends. This documentary focuses on Henry Plimpton Kendall, who bought the Slatersville Mill and Village in 1915. He is credited in transforming the mill and village into a New England renaissance. So to learn more about his contribution to history, go ahead and register for this event. On February 10th from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., the Franco-American Center will be hosting a special prêt-à-parler for teens in middle school and high school. All French language levels are welcome to join in and discuss the topic of Valentine's Day. You must register for this event by February 10th at 4 p.m. On February 16th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., the Franco-American programs of UMaine will be hosting a Mardi Gras concert with Josie Vachon. Join in on the celebration and enjoy fantastic French-Canadian and Franco-American music. It's a good idea to register in advance for this special event. And on February 25th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., join us at the French-Canadian Legacy podcast in a virtual event with the Franco-American programs at UMaine. Jesse, Mike, and I will be speaking about this podcast how we got involved, and more. Be sure to register for this event as soon as you can. So we hope to see you there. That's all I've got for you this time. Thanks for listening.
Thanks, Melody. Now, today's guest is someone that I suspect will probably be a familiar name uh, to quite a few people here on the podcast. That's Dennis Ledoux, the founder and director of the Memoir Network. He's also an author, and he is the program director for the Franco-American Collection in Lewiston, Maine. Now, we talked quite a bit about that collection, Franco-American Collection in Lewiston, uh, but we also talk for quite a bit about the Memoir Network Project, which is super interesting as he works with a number of people uh, to tell either their story or the story of someone close to them. Uh, it's really, really fascinating. He did it himself, uh, both with his mother, who came out with a book, really interesting book, We Were Not Spoiled, um, but also he's working on his own right now. So very, very fun discussion. If you've ever had an interest in perhaps uh, writing a memoir, telling your story, telling a parent story, definitely want to check out next week when we talk to Dennis Ledoux from the Memoir Network. I guess the first thing I would like to ask, if possible, though, what is the, I mean, you've worked with a lot of people doing the memoirs. Uh, what do you think is the most common mistake or maybe a couple of common mistakes people make when they decide, you know what, I think I want to write my memoir or I want to write my mom's memoir? Uh, well, th there are several. The, the starting from the beginning to the end is oftentimes something that just dries people up. Uh, the idea that they're writing a book, and I always say, no, 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 you're not <laughs> writing a book. <laughs> you're writing vignettes, you're writing stories, you're writing conversations, and then you're going to put them together, and then you're going to write a book. Um, you know, it, it's like I, I will say, my, my, my turning memories into memoirs is 285 pages. I mean, Jesse, think of sitting down and saying, okay, Jesse, you're going to write 285 pages. You're going to write crazy, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. And I would have said the same thing, except I wrote about dialogue. I wrote about telling the truth. I wrote about pain and, and, and I just put them together. And at one point I had 285 pages. So it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a fooling yourself. And why not? You know, we all need a little fooling around sometimes. Um, the, but the other thing <laughs> I think that happens when people have written a lot and it leads them to quit. Gotcha. Um, there's, um, there are two things that I think really scare them. Uh, one is uh, that their memoir is really insignificant and nobody's going to want to read it. And, and, and I think the antidote to that is to really write honestly, to really write from the inside and to really accept that not everybody's gonna write, uh, gonna read your memoir. You have an audience, you know, sure. if you're writing about a memoir about taking care of your Alzheimer's mother, your, your mother who has Alzheimer's, right. You know, the football player boy, you know, is not going to read it. Or the girl with the pom-poms, the cheerleader is not going to read it. She's looking for another book. And so the whole idea of insignificance is, is, is probably reaching beyond what is your audience. You're writing for somebody. What do they need to know about life? What do they need to know about you that you discovered? It isn't so much about you, it's about what you discovered about life. What is it that you discovered, for instance, about being a daughter or a son who takes care of a parent? Sure. It's a simple, that can be a very simple realization, something honest. And I think that's one way that you get over insignificant. So that's one thing that people, when they're along the process, can get uh, waylaid the other things that waylays people is they have a sense that they're going to get well that god will strike them with lightning for telling the truth oh, 
And they're really afraid. They say, if I say that my father was an alcoholic or that my mother was a terrible housekeeper who, you know, I don't know who, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, there's some truth that people are afraid to say. And they feel, you know, the big guy up there is going to strike me. And, and I always say to them, okay, you write for yourself you write for me. I'm your coach. I'm your editor. Or if I was your workshop leader, which I don't do anymore, um, just write for me, write for you. And then what happens in that process is they begin to understand that they're not throwing stones. They're not saying my father, the bum. Sure, sure. An alcoholic. They say my father was weighed with problems. My father's immaturity. He couldn't deal with it. Or my mother, this or that. Right, right. There are ways that you can write about very difficult situations that respect the humanity of the person you're writing about, even if you are angry. And I always say, you know, if you're angry about somebody, you can't write that memoir yet. Uh, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, the classic case was one woman who wrote her memoir and she didn't mention her marriage of 25 oh, years. Oh, wow. And I said to her, why, this is very early on in the process, sure. my process, you know, of learning. And I said, oh, why didn't you write about your, your, uh, your husband? And she said, oh, that turkey, he's my, kid. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> he's, he's my kid's father and they love him, even if I know he's a turkey. Oh, man. <laughs> and she said, she said, if I write bad about him, which is the only way that I can write about him, I, I will debase myself in their view, in their estimation, because they love oh, sure. father. Right. And, and and so that's why I, you know, I've always said if you hate somebody, if you're still angry at somebody, you have not digested, don't write about that person. Just just go on. Write about something else. That's awesome. Well, I thank you. This has been cool. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair. To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.